Hello, I'm Alex Williams, and this is My Wax Museum. Today, I'm joined by my friend, Tim Mathias. Now, Tim is a fellow podcaster, and that's actually how we know each other, but he's also an author, and he plays the fiddle, uh, which is pretty rad. But before the show begins here, I'd like to encourage you to take a second to leave us a review wherever you're listening to this, to go on Patreon and support us if you can at patreon.com slash mywaxmuseum. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Now, obviously, I appreciate all the support that we're given on this show, but more importantly than that, and actually the best way that you can support the show is by supporting the people around you, by just making five minutes in your day, just five minutes to sit down and listen intently to the people around you. Tim? Welcome to My Wax Museum. Hey, well, thanks for having me. Um, and you're recording, right? Did you? I am recording now, yeah. You are recording. Fantastic. Uh, so uh, I always start every episode of the show uh, with how we know each other. So if, if you remember like how we got interacting, uh, now is the time to share that. Yeah, so I remember that um, there, was, there was a sort of a, a call put out for... Mm -hmm. Um, podcasts uh, call for maybe disparate podcasts coming together to form uh, something of a network. And I had responded, as had you and a number of others uh, who you've had on your on your show. Yeah. And so we we started chatting in that uh, that Discord with all the other uh, podcast hosts. And uh, I feel really bad because I I think I probably participated the least <laughs> in the chats. And uh, uh, it was shortly after I joined that that work became super busy. So I just had really no time outside of like doing my own podcast and 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 work to uh, to really engage with the rest of the group. So I kind of felt bad about that. <laughs> but yeah, I I I feel like that was kind of the the case for everybody. Uh, in that little in that little group though um you you definitely weren't alone and it's all kind of fizzled out by now with a, a little bit of keeping in touch here and there from everybody though well that's good i mean it was really awesome to to get uh you know some exposure on on other podcasts i probably never would have come across otherwise right Right. Yeah. I think that was something interesting about it was that everybody's show was totally different. Like there was n really no two of the same. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so that's how we met. Uh, so then why don't we jump into uh, where you're from originally? All right. Uh, I was I was born in Toronto, Ontario. Okay. Uh, moved to Kitchener, Ontario at a very young age. So young that I, I don't remember. So I essentially lived my whole life in Kitchener. And then I've moved yeah. just outside of Kitchener in the past five years. It's a, a town called New Hamburg. There's uh, about 10,000 people here. Not a very hmm. big community, but we're close to Kitchener-Waterloo, which at this point is like, I think Kitchener-Waterloo-Cambridge is like half a million people and growing. So okay. it's a, yeah. So we're a little bit just far removed, just enough removed from from the big city that we're sort of in this quiet neighborhood. 
Well, that's pretty nice. Uh, and did you did you enjoy growing up there? I guess you wouldn't have known anything else, but from your experience, did you enjoy it? Oh, yeah. I mean, we live close to the elementary school that, that my brothers and I went to. And so there were... Hmm. We would lived in these neighborhoods where there were just so many other kids our age, and so right every day was like you know um, get home from school after dinner you're you're going out you're hopping on your bike you're just biking around the neighborhood with your with your pals and and that, that was that was pretty much it <laughs> hmm. you know it was, uh, so yeah yeah you mentioned that it's that it's growing so was it quite a bit smaller back then. Yeah, you know what? I don't know like what the population would have been like at, at that point, but uh, mm-hmm. the you know like the the downtown Kitchener now that there is looks totally totally transformed. Um, really, you know, tall condo buildings now going up all over the place, and there's you know some sprawl that's happening on the on the edges of town. Like there's a Costco, and there's a you know this this whole um, commercial area on, yeah. on one side of, of, of the city that previously was just farmland. Yeah. Huh. And it's interesting how it grows and how, how you can watch that grow. Now I've never, I've never been to Ontario. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're one of a few people who I've interviewed who are from Ontario. Uh, so maybe tell me, uh, what what's your favorite thing about it and what was kind of your favorite thing about it growing up too oh my favorite thing about ontario um you know i'll say that like the where we lived was just about an hour from toronto now i don't i don't okay. really like crowds all that much uh but there's a lot to do in toronto and it's a lot of fun to visit every now and then. And so being being that close, and I'm still pretty close to it, uh, being mm-hmm. that close and having the option just to to go down for the day to, you know, the biggest city in the country is yeah. is pretty nice because there's there's no shortage of, of really interesting things going on. Um I mean there's a lot of beautiful parts to to the province. Um yeah. just outside of you know, you kind of have to go outside of uh, KW to get to some some more of the uh, interesting, uh, like natural areas. Like Algonquin Park is about four hours away, so it's a really it's not a bad drive. I mean, after yeah. driving from Kitchener to Vancouver, uh, the four hours is not bad. <laughs> have you done that drive? Yeah, yeah. Last summer, my wife and I drove from from southern ontario to uh, vancouver island holy cow yeah that is a long drive and did yeah, you we... go because that's a lot of that drives is pretty boring right from what i hear and so what what did you stop and see along the way so on our on our way there we went through the states we went through um Where did we cross over? I think we crossed over Michigan and then through North Dakota and then up to uh, Saskatchewan. And then from there we went, and then from there we went 
west and then we stopped in calgary was our first stop and we were there for just under a week and uh yeah i mean the prairies are there's not a lot there's not a lot to see right the people were super nice i think so yeah um yeah and uh so after calgary you know once once you get into Alberta, and I was really surprised, I think, probably by Alberta most of all, because it's got so many different natural looks to it. Like, mm-hmm. it, it, the province itself looks like it's f- four or five separate parts of the world. Like, you've got the mountains, mm-hmm. you've got the badlands, you've got the foothills. Every every place looks like you're in a different part of the, part of the world. It's kind of crazy. It is really cool. And was that your first time in Alberta? It was, yeah. It was my first time going west of Ontario. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So, uh, what? I guess maybe, maybe let's talk about what you kind of expected. Like, what did you think it would be like before you went? I I kind of expected that I would really be overtaken with the kind of like the the awe-inspiring nature of the, of the landscape. Uh, mm-hmm. I had been told as much by people who had gone, but, uh, you know, my first, essentially like seeing my first real mountain range and we were driving through it from Calgary, like to, uh, uh, on, on highway one, Trans-Canada highway mm-hmm. out, out into British Columbia, driving through the mountains is, you know, it's, difficult to put into words exactly what you feel like the first time you sort of have that experience uh, yeah because had, had you gone uh to anywhere else with with mountains like that before not mountains like that no i'd been to vermont oh, okay. a few times and vermont has a lot of you know what you would call mountains but they're not uh like they're right they're not it's not the same scope <laughs> yeah interesting and uh i mean i've heard a lot of great things about vermont um, but then, so kind of driving, driving through the mountains in Alberta and then British Columbia, um, what was, cause I guess that would have been your first time to Vancouver Island too, eh? Yep. And, and, uh, I know Vancouver Island is beautiful. So what was your like impression of it? What, what was that like? Oh, I mean, well, you know, like we were, we were on vacation, so it's not like it's not the same as as like living and working there, right? But it's mm-hmm. you know I, I I loved every minute of it. It was mm-hmm. like it's just a everywhere you turn, there's something beautiful. Uh, you know, the people really seemed all sort of on the same page, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Um, yeah, yeah, I think I know what you mean. Mm-hmm. And yeah, just the just... yeah, just the wildlife that we saw too. Like I think yeah. I saw more wildlife in that three week road trip than in all the years that I've been going up to Algonquin Park. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah. And so, um, tell tell me what's Algonquin Park like? So Algonquin Park is it, it's pretty large, and most people only see like a narrow corridor of it. There's. Mm-hmm. Uh, a highway that goes through the southern part of Algonquin Park, and most of Algonquin Park is uh, um, largely not uh, not explored by people. 
And there's like a lot. Okay. There's actually a lot of logging that goes on there. Uh, but really? my my understanding is that it's it's closely regulated so that it's sustainable. Um, okay. Yeah. So there's uh, there's a <laughs> there's a just I I guess just to give a sense of scope. There's the West Gate to Algonquin Park, which is, like I said, about four hours from where I live. And then there's an mm-hmm. East Gate, which is close to Ottawa, and that's probably an eight-hour drive. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Holy cow. So, so there's a and- lot of it's a lot of like, you know, uh pine forests. Uh it's it's really gorgeous. There's some uh, like there's a lot of uh lakes and rivers. Uh, for people to explore, I haven't, you know, kind of shameful to admit, I haven't done uh, backcountry camping mm-hmm. uh, yet. But I, I mean, hopefully that's that's something that's really on my to do list. Yeah. And the East Gate, there's actually a a canyon called Barren Canyon uh, that uh, this this river goes through, and the canyon itself is, I don't know. A couple kilometers in length, maybe, maybe a bit shorter. It's not a, not a very lengthy canyon, but you have these uh, walls of sheer rock that are about three hundred feet high on either side, and you have really? to wow. Yeah, it takes about and can't remember how long it took us to canoe there, but you have to portage uh, part of the way, and. Right. Uh, and so once we got there, that was like one of the few one of the few moments in my life where you know it was just us. We didn't see any other people in, on on the river at that point. It was one mm-hmm. of the few moments in my life where there was total silence. Like there, I didn't hear any any planes. There was no road noise. There was no. At times there were you know the, there was no bird song, and so you just have like you're just out in this wilderness with. Absolute silence, which is I th- such a rare thing, I think. Mm-hmm. And how did that, like, did that have any impact on you? Obviously, you remember it, um, but what did that kind of mean for you? Kind of, kind of hammered home the importance of, 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 you know, sort of stepping away from your daily routine. Mm-hmm. So I think it's easy to get caught up in in a routine that uh and just not to think about it, just not to think about all the things that you do each day that are kind of the same. And a lot of people make the observation that like when you get older, time seems to go by more quickly. And mm-hmm. you know, the reason for that is because you're you're not doing new things. Uh when you're mm. doing new things, your you know, your brain your mind is more active because you're intaking it's intaking more information, more more stimulus, and so mm-hmm. it seems to last for longer. Which is why parts of our childhood seem so long, is because we're, we're doing new things so much. Hmm. And then when you get when you reach a certain age, I'm in my mid thirties, and you know you, you're not doing as many new things. And then also kind of hammered home the the importance of having spaces like that, natural right. spaces where you can get away and and not be inundated by you know cell towers and and all the trappings of modern society which i love don't get me wrong but it's right need to have need to have the access to both yeah yeah absolutely and so 
Um, is there anything you do on a regular basis that kind of gives you that access to that peace of mind, that kind of escape? Not as often as I would like, I think. Um, yeah. My wife and I just uh, got some uh, cross-country skis this year. Uh, and oh, so yeah. we were we actually drove up a few times to Algonquin in the winter to do uh, some skiing there. And mm-hmm. uh, it's it's pretty great because there's not a, not a lot of people out on the trails in the winter. Um, and so it's it's a good time. If uh, if anyone's wanting to to really get away from from crowds, uh, yeah, a provincial park in the winter is can't go wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously, there's nobody. There was actually they do keep one campsite open. Uh, in, oh yeah, in the winter at Algonquin, and it was it was actually full. Like people were doing winter camping there, which was I thought was pretty awesome. They have like their canvas tents and wood stoves yeah. inside them and it was i thought it was so cool and when we went there they had this uh they had this area that they had turned into a little skating rink and we're yeah. having next to it they were having this big bonfire with hot chocolate and i was like this is probably the most canadian thing i've ever seen <laughs> that is awesome yeah so did you like did you um you mentioned you'd never been like backwoods camping um, but did you go camping at all, um, just at like kind of a regular campsite or just go out to the lake kind of thing? Oh, yeah. There's there's tons of of uh, camping on the on the main uh, highway. Uh, mm-hmm. My favorite site, though, was when we did go around to the east gate because there are, it's it's a little more out of the way, uh, a little more remote. So it's it's more of a pain to get to. But yeah. the, the sites there were you know, a little bit more spaced out. There was no electricity. Uh, so, you know, nobody was playing their radio or anything like that. So it was a lot more right. tranquil. Right, right. And so did you feel like, um, like growing up, I guess, because uh, it's not like you're from a small place at all. Um, did you Did you feel... Uh, more at home in the city or kind of or kind of outside the city and kind of a quieter area uh well you know like growing up i think i was more used to the city and it wasn't until mm-hmm. um until i met my wife that i really started to do more outdoorsy stuff because that's what she was she was uh you know big big into uh you know going exploring hiking trails and, and going to Algonquin on a regular basis, much, much more so than right. I was. I had gone up there a bunch of times when I was, when I was uh, growing up, but uh, uh, not to the same extent that, that she was. So, uh, right. She and I have been together for, geez, 12 years almost. So it's 12 years. Yeah. Yeah. So I've, I've so uh, kind of gotten you out more. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And, uh, and so how, um, I guess I mean you you said that you went went out a little bit so it must not have been like a like a difficult adjustment for you to to get out more with her. Yeah, no not at all. No, it wasn't yeah. uh, uh hmm. um, I'm trying to think of the first time that we went but uh 
Uh, I think the most difficult thing is is the uh, firewood that you buy at Algonquin's is sometimes very hard to light on fire. <laughs> oh, really? Is it, it could j- be it can be very uh, humid. very damp. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so then, um, I guess like, how, what what do you do to mitigate that? You just keep trying. Yeah, you gotta get uh, enough enough kindling, I guess. You know what? Like mm-hmm. she she and her her folks uh, are experts at lighting campfires, and I am really? I am hopeless. I like after all this time, I'm still not very good at it. But uh, they they have the knack, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It is. It definitely, especially um, depending like what method you use and stuff. Um, cause like there's a hundred different ways to light a campfire. Um, and you and know I guess what, like, they I, probably know them all. <laughs> I've, I've always wanted to figure out like how to light a fire, uh, if you don't have matches, you know, I've always sort of been interested to, to figure out how to do that. Just uh, mm-hmm. like, I don't ever foresee myself in the situation where I would need to light a fire with no, uh, right. <laughs> but I think it would be an interesting thing to to learn and i have on my bookshelf uh, a survival handbook written by it's the sas survival handbook and they go into all sorts of crazy stuff like uh you know what you know identifying different types of clouds which sort of clouds are like uh are indicative of of coming rain you know safest ways mm. to gather water off of trees uh different plants that uh have uh nutritive values things like that and i think lighting a fire is is probably one of the chapters in there oh yeah definitely um i mean if you can cook your food right mm-hmm. and and keep warm i guess that's a big part of fire too eh? especially in canada yeah, yeah. um so what uh so you mentioned that you'd never been west of ontario um so where where had you been growing up? So, uh, like growing up when I was when I was younger, I guess around I don't know thirteen or fourteen. Uh, I think it was th- I was thirteen when my family and I drove out east to Cape Breton Island. Mm-hmm. Um, we were out there for a week, and I I was at this uh, school that they have there. I had enrolled in this program, or they, my parents had enrolled me in this program of, of uh, a variety of different uh, Celtic artistic pastimes. M- mainly it was playing the violin. Okay. Uh, so I went out there and I, 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 had, I was already playing the violin for, for a couple of years at that point, And this was sort of, you know, s- you know, spending hours a day with different, teachers learning different techniques for mm-hmm. traditional East Coast fiddle music, which was amazing. I love, yeah, it's it's beautiful. It's awesome. We actually, uh, two summers ago, we had driven, my wife and I, uh, out East and did a tour of the Atlantic provinces. So now we've driven okay. <laughs> all across the country from uh, from West to East. Yeah, yeah. Have you so? Okay, if I remember correctly, you came back into Canada in 
Saskatchewan. So did you just skip Manitoba altogether or did you like hit it on your way back? Oh, we hit it on the way back. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 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 <laughs> Don't want to leave Manitoba feeling left out. <laughs> um, and so now have you been to all 10 provinces? The only one that we haven't been to is Newfoundland. Okay. So that was that so was next time. Yeah, next time. That was the one that we missed. And uh, I'm kind of curious about about this fiddle music um, and you learning to play the violin and stuff. Um, why why did your parents engage you um, with that kind of Celtic pastime? Uh, so I I first started playing the violin when I was in grade six, and we had a music program mm-hmm. at our school. And I picked the violin because my older brother had picked the violin, uh, and you okay. know, like a, like a lot of younger brothers, I you know like to copy my older brother. Yeah, uh, he yeah. he dropped it. I think a year or two after, but I I kept with it because I I really enjoyed it and I seemed to have a bit of a, a bit of a knack. And yeah. uh, so I mean I did study like a, a pretty typical sort of classical repertoire. Like there's a, a series called mm-hmm. the Suzuki School. Uh, okay. Where, yeah, it's sort of like increasing like every, every uh, yeah. So I, I, I did study classically for, for a while and I had a, a teacher who, like once I started taking lessons myself, uh, I, my teacher was part of our like the symphony orchestra that's in in Kitchener. Uh, mm-hmm. But after after hearing fiddle music, I was you know it's it's hard not to be roused by that that type of music. It's so engaging, you know. It yeah, and it, I bet it speaks to different people in different ways. And some people probably you know aren't quite as receptive to it and that's okay nobody's perfect but uh uh, i mean i took to it immediately it's it's so much fun to listen to and it's so much fun to play yeah and it's uh i mean kind of a testament to that is like we on our on our trip a couple years ago we went to a uh a pub in cape breton Mm -hmm. and there were uh two fiddle players, a guitar player and a, a piano player. And they just played mm-hmm. the entire night in this, in this pub. And people were just like getting up and dancing at their tables. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really engaging music. Um, like I, I remember, uh, the Vancouver 2010 Olympic opening ceremonies. Um, they had, they had all these fiddlers and they had one come down in like a canoe and it's just like, it's totally something you can dance to. Right. Um, so do you still play? I do. Yeah. Yeah. And are there, I guess, I don't know, like, do you, I, when I think of fiddle music, I kind of think of like the town hall, right? Everybody goes on a Friday night and dances. Right. Um, so when do you play? Where do you play? And and what's what's kind of that experience like? Oh, um, I I had stopped playing for quite a while. Uh, mm-hmm. Kind of when I got out of high school and into university, I uh, my love like the amount that I played kind of dropped off a cliff because I was 
busy with my uh, attempts to study, which was, uh, you know, I wasn't taking music. I was taking English and, and history. Uh, okay. Yeah. But I, I, I picked it back up again a couple of years ago, like in, in a more serious way. Um, mm-hmm. And I still don't get to practice every day, but I, tr- I try to practice when I have spare time. And it's it's really great when you, know, you when you're stressed out, you know. You play play a song yeah. that makes you feel good. But uh, yeah, so I, I picked it back up again a couple of years ago, and I've really just been playing at home, just just kind of for me. Yeah. Hmm. I think. And so, I don't know what is what's the difference between just playing for you and playing for an audience. Um, if I'm just playing for me, then, then I don't have to feel, you know, bad about not being or, or not delivering like a, a great performance. If I'm, if right. I'm playing something just to, you know, I guess every time I play, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, improve myself because, you know, once you stop practicing something, it's, you know, it's not, it's not like you pick it back up, or at least I don't. I haven't picked it back up to the same skill skill level that I used to be at. Mm-hmm. So it's when it's just for me. It's like I'm going to play this piece, uh, and I'm going to, you know, do do what I can. I'm gonna I'm gonna go through it slowly and and kind of painfully slowly sometimes, so that I can yeah. gradually get better, and. I'll get to a point where I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm happy with how this is sounding now. I remember playing for audiences when I was, you know, uh, younger and, and more well-practiced, but, and yeah, I, there was always kind of that pressure. It was like, um, did, did that performance? Well, like, was that good? Did people enjoy it? Yeah. And I don't have to worry about if people enjoy it. If I enjoy it, that's all that I care about. Right. Right. And was that, um, as a, as a younger person, um, playing, playing in front of people, did you get nervous or did you kind of enjoy it? Like, did you enjoy that performance? Both. Yeah. (laughs) Both. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I got nervous every time, uh, a couple years ago, like when I picked it back up, it was because, um, some friends of ours were getting married and it was this mm. this weekend long uh sort of trip uh and they're like okay hey, we're going to have these bonfires at night over the, like each night and if you have an instrument you can bring your instrument and play it and i was like oh that's mm-hmm. really cool uh maybe i'll like practice a f- a few pieces on the violin so i'll, I'll be able to play like for 5 or 10 minutes and then that's it. Right, right. And I, I, I was nervous. I was nervous then too. After even you know, even in my thirties, I was always yeah. nervous playing. You know, when I was when I was younger, and then uh, in university, I was in a band for a few years. I played guitar and and was a vocalist. And I always got nervous before every show. Didn't mm-hmm. matter. Hmm. I mean, yeah, I, there's something about performing 
that it that nervousness it never goes away right um at least for what i'd call normal people <laughs> yeah i think some people take to it more readily than others and i mean i yeah I, yeah and i go ahead i was gonna say and i i, I did in, enjoy performing like a lot and i i right. never let my nervousness stop me from performing if you know if we had a gig or if there was a concert you know i would always mm -hmm. uh, but uh but the nervousness was always always there yeah yeah and then so um was there anything that you did to kind of calm that nervousness uh no i mean i would point out like how much i was sweating right <laughs> that's not really much of a combat <laughs> i didn't yeah. have any i You're didn't like... have any mental tricks perhaps i should have tried some breathing exercises or something yeah yeah but then uh and then how did it feel when it was over though oh very good if if i was yeah. satisfied with like how things went i was i was always like looking forward to doing it again so there's kind of like right this, right this uh you know this sort of valley of nervousness. And then there's like this peak of, of you know, that was a really great uh, show. And, and, and so that kind of carries mm -hmm. you over to the next one. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I mean, I didn't know um, that, that you played any instruments or anything um, like that's awesome. Um, but I'm curious then uh, you mentioned in, in there about your attempt to study uh, what do you mean by your attempt to study? Oh, uh, just because like, as a as like as a first year university student, uh, there's like a lot of drinking that goes on. <laughs> mm. Yeah, uh, and then and then like in the latter years of my program, I was kind of like, what am I doing? Like, where is this going to take me? <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. Because what did you study? English uh, literature was my uh, major, and then I, uh, the other two areas were history and philosophy. Okay, I think uh, actually, I think when your episode comes out, there will be an episode just like one week before it, where that's literally the exact same thing that my friend is studying. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, yeah. So, uh, tell me that. So, what was what was that like? Why why did you choose it? What was it like studying it? And then, uh, I guess, I guess when you when you were finishing it up, uh, let's dive into what kind of what your thought process was at the end of that uh, university experience. So let let's start with uh, why you chose it. English uh, specifically. Yeah, just the English literature and uh, and then history and philosophy tacked on there as well. Uh, yeah. So I mean, the first year I, I remember, they really encourage you to to take a lot of electives, at least in mm -hmm. in the sort of like the liberal arts uh, field. They do. I I can't speak if somebody's in in the sciences, but um, like I I had sort of thought that I would go to teacher's college afterwards. So that was kind of my okay. my main reason for, for picking those. 
philosophy yeah. uh, after taking an elect like some of the titles of the philosophy courses just sound really cool like the philosophy of good and evil was always one that i wanted to take but it was always full um mm-hmm. but uh, after after taking my first one of one of those it was it was really eye-opening for me in terms of a way to think about thought and to think about yeah uh you know critical critical thinking which mm-hmm. i think we had had only very uh cursory uh philosophy i don't even want to say philosophy courses but like um points in the high school where we touched on on philosophy i don't think there was a full-on philosophy course that i took up and up until i was in university um yeah and uh i mean going through going through four years of of english literature uh some courses i definitely found more appealing than others uh yeah and a lot of that has to do with i think the well first off like my engagement which was you know i was felt at certain points like i was going through some kind of uh like questioning like have i made the right choice like what is this what does any of this mean like some of these some of these right. things we're talking about are like how does this apply to real life um but then we had these professors who were so engaged and so like passionate about the subject matter uh hmm. i'm one of one of the professors like would would dissect uh, an alfred lord tennyson poem and I'd be like, oh man, this is awesome. Like this guy is so hmm. so excited about about um poetry. <laughs> yeah. And but he could really like in a very surprising way sort of analyze a poem and like pick it apart and talk about how how it was significant given give like given the given the time that it was written, sort of thing, like what what was going on at the time in uh mm-hmm. in england and and in, in the world and you know just sort of moments like that where you're like okay so this is how the real life the real world influences art and like how artists respond to what's happening in the world right hmm. and uh and did that like obviously it opened your eyes quite a bit um but what was i guess what was the most significant thing that you got out of university in a nutshell ooh it's kind of a big question to put into a nutshell mhm so take it out of the shell if you need to I don't know. I feel like giving a facetious answer like debt was the biggest thing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Especially because when you finished, you didn't end up going to teacher's college, right? No, that's, that's right. Yeah. I kind of, I kind of went and and got some uh, 
I was looking for a job so I could start paying off my uh, my loans, and then I got into mm-hmm. uh, the current employer that I'm with now, which, which was like uh, I think it was a couple, one, maybe one or two years after I graduated, um, and I've been with them for uh, almost ten and a half years now. So, <laughs> hmm. yeah. So my and, yeah my uh, current my current job I guess is like it has really no connection to to English literature I'll just say that <laughs> yeah so okay so um, despite your job your career that you're working in uh, despite that not having any connection to your uh, your course of study um, how how has studying English lit uh, helped you as you've kind of moved on from university and grown up more as an individual? Uh, I think it gives me... Hmm. I think if I pick up a book... I have a little bit more, maybe a little bit more insight into possible uh, illusions uh, that are being mm. made, and maybe I'm saying, oh, this is this is maybe a trope that this uh, writer's using, um, like referencing, right. um, you know, uh, the Canterbury Tales or, or something like that. So it's right. It's uh, it doesn't really impact my day to day life in a huge way, but it's. It did give me. I think it did give me sort of a, an appreciation for like their tradition of storytelling. Right, right. Um, yeah, because it is interesting. Uh, if you study those things, you can see a lot more. Um, just references, right? Where you can where you can pick out like, oh, they're you know alluding to this or alluding to that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh. So then, with with your own storytelling, because you've written novels, um, why? I, I guess why write? Like why why did you write um, books, and what are they about? Tell us about that a bit. Uh, well, I had I had written creatively, like in high school, and I I mm-hmm. I had actually gotten some money from. Uh, creative writing competitions while I was in high school for for writing really yeah for writing like goof off articles in the school newspaper just I was kind of uh, taking a strong cue from the Onion which is a satirical news website uh, and mm-hmm. just writing writing stuff like that and um, I entered a few articles into some some local competitions and and got a bit of money so I was like hey well that's that's kind of cool. So I've always had an interest yeah. in in writing creatively, but in terms of like why I started writing these the the three books that I wrote, um, I think I was I was going from one creative endeavor to the next as I've kind of done many times. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I was like, you know what? I'll try. I'll I'll give this a shot and see if I if I like it, and I. I really like the process of like 
creation, like um, coming up with something, coming up with a character who, you know, one day didn't exist and then and then the other day, you know, exists. There's like a skeleton there and then you start to add on the muscle and the motivations and all the flaws and stuff like that. Hmm. And yeah, and to and to put this character into a situation where you're like, oh, that's this is a really interesting conflict for this particular character to, to deal with. Yeah. Hmm. And so, um, so for you, it's it's a love of that of that process of developing um, these people who didn't exist before. Yeah, I guess to. It's like a it's like a journey of almost like self discovery, because um, mm-hmm. you're, I mean these these people, the characters that I that I wrote about aren't aren't they're they're not uh, analogs for for me personally, um, right. So it's it's interesting it's an interesting exercise to to see how how they develop and I you know mm-hmm. when I was starting the first story i i had a vague sense of where i wanted to end up um and then that yeah became more and more concrete as as time went on but it was i still found it interesting to see how the characters um developed as as the writing went on cuz there were certain right. certain things that that happened okay well they're in this situation now and it, kind of makes sense for them to act this way and then that wasn't really what I may have originally thought. Right. Interesting. Um I mean this is all super yeah, vague. That is <laughs> Yeah, no, but I I mean I I th- I think it's still interesting. So maybe maybe getting a little more specific. Um what maybe maybe give like a brief synopsis uh, of your books cuz I've read them and have enjoyed them. And maybe somebody listening um, might also take to them. Sure. Okay. So uh, it's it's mainly about a a uh, so they're they're fantasy books, um, mm-hmm. and the the it's mainly about a a a father who is essentially pressed into an this the service of an of an army uh who mm-hmm. wants to go home but discovers a threat and and the act of going home might be like it's the thing that he wants to do the most but it could be the worst decision that he makes by turning turning right. turning his back on on this threat that he's discovered yeah, yeah. There are there are a lot of tough um, tough decisions in the book. It, that's something I really enjoyed about it is that he's constantly having to you know he's stuck between a rock and a hard place the whole time. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes I think back on on what his arc was, and mm-hmm. even even now like in in hindsight and it's been a couple of years since i've since i wrote 
the the last one uh mm-hmm. even now i'm like well how did he change like how exactly did he change <laughs> as i think that there's yeah. there's a not that it's not uh i guess i guess it would be good that it's sort of um up for debate uh as to as to how exactly he changed from the from the beginning of the story to the end cuz i think he was yeah. always tr- yeah. he was always trying to do the right thing uh in in situations where it was never really clear what the right thing was where there were multiple things that were sort of like right in one sense and wrong in another sense depending on right depending on his his conflicting duties because he had duties to his own people and then to his like commanding officers who who didn't really care for him but that he was right that he had essentially made an oath to and so those those two mm-hmm. loyalties did not really overlap they were in conflict with each other right so he's he's having to sort of make these choices that um could alienate you know, uh, various people that he needs in, in one one situation or the other. But, uh, right. yeah. Right. Huh. Yeah. Um, and then, so that that's called the War of Histories trilogy, um, right? Yep. And, uh, and then you mentioned, you mentioned like going through um, the different, different creative projects. Um and and as we're kind of uh winding down the show here uh now you like we mentioned before you are doing a dungeons and dragons actual play podcast um and uh so uh why why did you why did you start that i kind of had this idea for an interesting story and mm-hmm. uh, i was aware that there were just tons of actual play podcasts and and honestly i think there's it's got to be in the hundreds of of not just oh, dungeons easy. and dragons but just role playing podcasts in in general there's is a huge proliferation which is which is great for for listeners cuz there's no shortage of of options yeah but then i was like well i don't want to do it if it's just going to be I felt like if it wasn't unique in some way, it wouldn't be really adding anything to like worthwhile. Uh, right. And so I was like, right. well, what, what could I do to make it stand out? And then I was like, well, what if you had these other side episodes where you, it's just, it's just me talking, spilling all the beans about like, and like, to be clear, my players don't listen to those episodes, but I'm just saying, here's what mm-hmm. I thought they would do. Here's what they did do. Here's how it impacted yeah. the story. Um, yeah, here's what I'm going to try to do going forward to maintain, try to maintain the integrity of my story. Um, right. But knowing that at the same time, like it's not, it's not, you know, not just my story. It's like really they're, they're the main characters. And so I'm just sort of having to, um, construct conflicts in such a way that, that they're engaged. Right, right. Yeah. And I just, so I just caught up on 
on all the episodes. Um, and then, and now I'm, I'm going to go back and start listening because I wanted to just kind of enjoy the story. But now that I'm all caught up, I'm going to go back and listen to those kind of, um, those additional episodes. Oh, you ha- um, hadn't listened to those ones and- yet? No, no, because I, I wanted, I'm like, I just want to like listen to the story and just enjoy it. Oh, okay. <laughs> but at the same time, I, I play D&D, so I want, I want to kind of uh, learn the knowledge that you're sharing in those other episodes. So I'm going to go back through and <laughs> listen, listen through all the, all the extra content um, so that I can prove myself as a player and a DM. Well, awesome. You'll have to let me know. Um, you'll have to let me know what you think. Yeah, yeah, I will. Um, I'm really, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, and and kind of seeing because I get the sense listening to the show that they usually don't do what you expected or what you wanted. Correct. Yeah. So uh, yeah. I've, I've, uh, I don't want to give too much away for anybody who might want to start listening, but I've placed a number of, of hostiles in their way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they and I thought that they would be sort of dealing with these enemies like as they sort of came up narratively, but they've sort of yeah. been like punting them ahead, and so now we're yeah. now we're like we just recorded our fiftieth episode last week, and yeah, uh, we're recording again tonight actually. Okay, yeah, remotely of course. Uh, Yep. They've they've backloaded this story with all the people who now want to uh, do them harm, <laughs> and so it's I th- I thought that they were going to be taking out these enemies like gradually, like one at a time, and, and things like that. But they've just sort of been a little evasive, and so right, and so right. and so now the the end of the story is going to be kind of a i don't want to say a free-for-all but it's definitely Mm going to be a battle royale of sorts yeah yeah listening listening to the most recent episode i was like oh i don't know how they're gonna do it um just kind of seeing seeing what's coming um but is are you guys like you're pretty close to wrapping up the story like it's finishing up eh yeah i think it'll depend on of course on on the choices that they make in these next few sessions, but I wouldn't be surprised if we were done in a couple of months, at least with this part of the story. Really? Yeah. And then, and then once we're right. once this part of the story is done, probably take a a bit of a breather and and not think about mm-hmm. not think about recording or editing or or whatever for a month or two, and then we'll we'll see where mm-hmm. we are. If because that's the thing, you know it's it's a game that we're we're playing together but it is it's more of a commitment when it's a podcast and it's i don't want to say it's, yeah. it's less fun but it's a yeah. bit more restrictive in terms of yeah because if we sometimes like when we play the last campaign and we're not recording we could have an entire like half of a session would just be joking around and like very little would get done would not make for a very interesting podcast episode, but we would have a hell of a time. (laughs) Right. Yeah. It's, it's totally different. Um, and so I guess I'm curious how, what you've done, like, have you, 
um, I mean, you're all grown adults, so you, you're kind of aware, you know, that you're putting on this kind of performance. Um, but have you had to talk to the players and be like, hey, guys, like, we we need to focus here. We need to get this done. Um, and, you know, like, maybe, maybe focus a little bit more. Because I don't want to listen through, you know, an hour of joking to try and edit it down to the show. Uh, I was surprised that I actually didn't have to do that. I think everyone was... Really? Kind of, yeah, they were more or less, I think from the get-go, we we kind of had a discussion like, okay, if we're going to do this, we, we, you know, have to be more focused and right and, and whatnot. So it's, it was a, I do recall that we had those chats like briefly before we started just to make sure that everyone was on the same page because I didn't want to force them into doing this if anyone thought it would be less fun. And there were points even along the way, like a year into it, I would still talk, go back yeah. and talk to them and be like, hey, are you guys still having fun with this? Like if if no right. if nobody's having fun, like, you know, I just wanted always was checking in being like, you know, if this is not something that's enjoyable, then we shouldn't do it. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Well, I'm glad that everyone's still having fun because, you know, it'd be a bummer if it just stopped halfway through. Um, but then, uh, I've got just a few more questions for you here. Sure. Um, have you, have you, uh, felt like you found your thing? Cause you've, you've done all these creative projects, right? Creative writing and podcasting and, uh, music as well. Like, is there anything that you feel like, oh yeah, this is, this is me. This is my thing. I mean, I, I, I do love story crafting uh, a lot. Mm. I like talking about stories. I like talking about stories that I think are great. I like talking about stories yeah. that I've seen that I think are um, less than great and, and could use improvement. Um, yeah. I really do enjoy the podcast. I won't like, I originally started doing it because <laughs> like one of the, uh, one of the reasons I started doing it was like, Hey, Maybe a podcast will bring some attention to my books. I could use the podcast as a platform to to drive traffic to to my books, because right. I assume that there was a natural overlap between people who listen to fantasy podcasts and people who read fantasy books. I have not found right. I have yeah. not found that to be the case. <laughs> right, right. Uh, but it's yeah. So it you, you go go ahead. Sorry. It, it's just been so much fun to to do the podcast and to to engage with people who are listening to it. And I still can't. I'm still mm-hmm. kind of blown away that like anybody messages me saying like, "Oh, I'm really enjoying your podcast so far," and 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 you know, just simple things like that. The fact that anybody engages with us, and we're just a bunch of, you know, we're not voice actors or anything, just a bunch of right. regular friends who are talking into microphones. Uh, yeah, the fact that people are enjoying it and and you know engaging over Twitter and Instagram and Facebook is still it's it's a lot of fun. Hmm. Yeah, it is. It is always interesting when you find somebody who is enjoying uh, what you're doing for fun, right? Um, and given how and many, so, yeah, given how many different options there are out there, the fact that somebody would yeah. settle on on our show. Yeah. Yeah. It it's uh it's got to be really pleasing for you, eh? 
any anytime I get a message, like even if it's just a like a quick like, hey, you know, really enjoying the episodes. Any any sort of time I get a message like that, it totally makes my day. Like it really yeah. lifts my spirits a lot. Yeah. Huh. And then um, so kind of going going forward with that um, and these creative projects and um, and that satisfaction of having that positive feedback. Uh, where do you see your future going creatively? I mean, in a perfect world, I'd like to. I, I kind of like to. Have. Uh, have my creative endeavors like I think this is kind of everyone's or I shouldn't say everyone's I think this is this is the a dream for a lot of people is to have their their creative endeavors like support them in some way that they could do it for a living uh right so, I mean that right. that's that's my dream scenario I don't know how likely it is to happen mm-hmm. but uh you know putting in a little bit of work every day so we'll see how, we'll see what happens yeah yeah, and I, I mean, even even getting the little bit out of it that you do, you know, that's something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's rewarding on its own, even with even with even if there was no hope of of uh, there ever being any sort of like monetary benefit to doing it. Uh, I think I still right. would. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then last question. Uh, this is kind of how I wrap everything up. Um, when you when you die, hopefully you know 150 years from now, or whatever it ends <laughs> up being, um, and you're looking back on your life, uh, what are you most satisfied by, and what are you most proud of? Huh. I don't know. I don't know that I really want to be remembered by like the work that I do necessarily. Ideally, hmm. I, I think if I'm going to be remembered for anything, I'd I'd hopefully be remembered by my friends and family as like uh, you know, somebody who put out like love and positivity into the world. Because it's, I, I yeah. find personally that I I can be very cynical sometimes, and so, and. Right. And sometimes I have to check myself on it. And I really envy people who can go out into the world with a positive attitude, uh, even when they're in a very tough situation or, or they're just positive, you know, just on a, on a regular day, just, just loving life and, you know, every new day is an opportunity sort of thing. I really want to, like, embrace yeah. that sort of mindset and be less cynical. So I would hopefully be remembered as 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 somebody who like if somebody else is having a bad day and then they they talk to me hopefully i'm in a good mood and and able to you know cheer them up somehow <laughs> i guess i don't know that sounds hmm. it sounds super corny no uh but i mean it's true right yeah i think it's and, and like i said it, it's kind of a reflection of of me being self-aware that at times I can be, I think, overly negative that I have to, you know, mm-hmm. work at that mindset to be positive and grateful. Right, right. Well, um, that's awesome. Um, maybe this kind of 
at the end of the show here. I guess you have a few things you might want to plug. So if you want to plug them and then, and then we'll wrap her up. Oh, awesome. Okay. So uh, if anybody's li- interested in listening to a D&D podcast, uh, it's called Knights and Nerds. So our website is knightsandnerds.com where you can go and listen to all of our episodes, but we're on iTunes and Spotify and most uh, platforms where you find your podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, we're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Knights and Nerds. Um, if you're interested in getting some fairly inexpensive fantasy ebooks, then it's uh, The War of Histories on Amazon. Awesome. Well, uh, thanks for joining me today. My pleasure. And thank you for listening, not just to this show, but to the people around you, to the people in your life that you know from work or school or your Dungeons and Dragons sessions. Whatever it is, wherever you know them from, I encourage you to just make five minutes every day to listen intently to the people around you. Mecco.